This is the third in four talks that we are doing in a series called Priorities. This comes out of something we felt the Lord speak to us about our priorities as a church as we go into the next season, if you like, of, of what's happening with us. And uh, they're from the early chapters of Deuteronomy, and uh, I'm continuing to encourage people to, to catch up with the, the talks, because all four of them uh, will be helpful that if you're part of, of us here, and you want to know why we're doing the things that we're doing in the future, and why we are uh, proceeding in the directions that we are, then that's what we're trying to do now. We're trying to unpack those for you out of these early chapters of Deuteronomy. Some of you won't know any of this, so I'm going to give you a very, very brief recap just to try and give you some focus for the morning. So um, about 18 months ago, as a church, we were all coming out of the pandemic. There are a number of things going on for us, some changes that we weren't expecting and, and so on. And we felt God speaking to us out of the, the part of the story in Exodus where the Israelites are coming out of Egypt and they are uh, just about to cross the Red Sea. And we looked at the period between them getting across the, the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds or whatever it is, right up until they're just about to enter the land again. Um, I was away during the, the summer and when I came back, I said to the Lord, uh, where should I start reading in, in uh, scripture right now and where should I go to? And I thought, oh, I'm going to read Deuteronomy because we all want to read Deuteronomy, right? Yeah? And I hadn't read it in a while, so I started reading it. As soon as I started reading it, I felt God highlight these four things to me. And the four things were, um, one, believing for the impossible. Two, serving and giving. Three, which is what we're going to look at today, the next generation. And four is the word of God. The first two we looked at. And the first was, uh, here is a group of people that were believing the impossible. They didn't even know how impossible it was. But we look back now across the thousands of years and we read their history and we understand some of what happened. And we realize that what they were attempting was completely impossible. And there's, there's one passage here in, uh, this is Deuteronomy 6. Uh, the Lord your God will bring you, will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they've been holding on to this promise as a people for hundreds of years already. You'd think they'd given up by now, but they didn't. It's a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. And there was this sense of incredible wealth and goodness and God's provision waiting for them. And we, at least, now this is my conviction, all right? This is just personal. If you want to share this with me, then great. But I felt God speaking to us about our need for a building. Um, for those that aren't with us normally, uh, we don't own this place. We just rent it a couple of times a month. But we are praying for a building once we've sold our place. And I think we're going to have this kind of experience. I think we're going to walk into something and we're going to look at it and just go, oh my goodness, this is incredible. We cannot believe God has done this for us. So that's, that was the first thing. The second thing, serving and giving. 
you know, it's lovely to have all those high mountaintop experiences, but basically it comes out of hearts that are open and willing to receive the Spirit of God. And we talked a few weeks ago about serving and giving and uh, how we serve and how we give and, and what that means, how we, you know, we're not here just for ourselves. We've given our lives away. We're all dead. I'm looking at a bunch of dead people. Dead in the sense of dead to our own desires, dead to our own, our own feelings. Uh, uh, no, not our own feelings. That's the wrong way of putting it. Dead, dead to the life that we used to live. Okay, We're now alive in the life Jesus has given us. And that life is a life directed towards service and giving. And as we give, so we receive. The things that I need... God will give to me, you know, seek first his kingdom and then all these things will be added to you. So I'm not worried about the things that I need. I know that I will find those. I'll find the, the love that I need, the friendship, the warmth, the, the practical needs. I'll find all those. But, um, oh, that's exciting. Everybody, everybody look up there now. You can all have a look. Otherwise, otherwise you'll all be looking still in five minutes, Okay. Right, now they're all behind you. Let's see how clever you are at turning your heads around and looking behind them. Hi, Sue, okay. okay. They're all going around there, so just coming around here to, to your right, if anybody wants to look. Yeah, that's fine. I disturbed myself. And they'll be back soon, so don't you worry. There'll be something else more interesting to, than me to, to look at. Okay, so that's serving and giving. Right, we're going on to the next generation. Uh, do you know, Deuteronomy talks about children more than any other book in the Bible, with one exception, and that's Genesis. And Genesis only just beats it. I wonder why that is. Maybe if you read Deuteronomy, you'll find out. But one of the reasons, and I can give you a shortcut here, is because they're talking about the next generation. And uh, this, this is a, a fairly well-known passage, again, from Deuteronomy 6. Listen, Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Basically, everything you've got. If you've got anything, then love God with it. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Now remember, here's a people that have lived in slavery for 400 years. Before they went into slavery, they weren't even a people. They were just a nomadic family they have never had a land of their own. That's why, to this day, the land for um, the Israeli people is it's a really significant thing. Repeat them. So, And Moses is just going through all these commands and reminding them again of the things that God has spoken to them. Uh, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And some of you will know to this day that um, devout Jews, they, they have this practice of they have a little box called a phylactery and it's, uh, it contains this portion of scripture and, and other things. And, uh, uh, and when they're praying, they, they uh, will bind this around their forearm and around their, their forehead. And it's not so much that practice that I want to focus on. It's just the, the injunction here to make 
the place of the word of God in their family life of the highest importance. Why? Because if we don't sow into the next generation, they, they have no opportunity to benefit from the things that we have learned and the things that we've been taught. The, if you follow the whole story here through Deuteronomy, this generation that moved in, I remember the previous generation had rejected God's promise and they said, oh, it's too difficult, we can't do it. And this generation uh, came up and God was uh, saying, when you get into the land with all these brilliant things I'm going to give you, put an emphasis on what you train your children in, on what you teach your children. Because if you don't do it, you will be a one-generation nation. Basically, that's it. These people will forget who I am. They'll forget... Uh, my ways, they won't have any understanding of, of, uh, of how to, to live in the way that I'm uh, encouraging you to live, in a way that's good for you, a way that's healthy, and your generation will basically uh, die out, and, and you'll be carted off out of the land, and if you've read much of the Bible, you'll know that's exactly what happened. It's exactly the experience that happened to them. And I'm aware that for all of us, you know, whatever it means to us to have children, for some of us that's going to mean different things to others. And I'd like us just to, to stop at this moment and uh, pray over something because no matter how much we do in preparing our children, there's still individuals that have to make a response before God. And uh, whatever parenting means to us, however that's expressed, we're holding on to the promises of God for our children. And I don't want to go any further, really, without simply reminding ourselves of that and holding on to God's promise. Because we're not here to... Uh, create a, an atmosphere of success or failure, we're here to create an atmosphere of living in God's promise and imagining the fulfillment of God's promise in the areas that we've, we've, uh, we're holding on to it. So uh, we're not going to stand up. Just close your eyes. Just remind yourself of the things that you are holding on to in this particular area, God's promise in whatever... Uh, whatever it means to you for, for children, whether it's birth children, whether it's uh, children that you've taken into your family through another way, whether it's uh, people who aren't your direct family, but you're holding on for them, you're praying for them. And Father, we, we bring these promises back to you because your promise is that as we, we come to you, you will bring about the things that we ask for. We can't override people's individual wills but we ask you father to shower such grace upon every person that's in our thoughts and prayers right now that they are overwhelmed by your love and they experience that in fresh ways 
whether they've known it before, whether they've never known it, whether they've acknowledged it, whether they haven't acknowledged it. Father, that is our prayer. We ask you and we trust that you are faithful. And together we say, Amen. So one of the priorities for us is the next generation, both the next generation in terms of age, but the next generation in terms of folks just coming to, to faith. You know, we've got Alpha running at the moment. We've got people on Alpha. Uh, we have other ways of just sharing the goodness of God with people. And it's always been a focus for us, but it's, uh, we're going to be putting more energy, more resources more of our focus and effort into the next generation, both seeing people come into faith and helping them grow and uh, providing some training and providing some support and friendship around them. And, uh, you know, churches that don't do that, uh, they just fizzle out like a damp firework. Now, one of the things, you look at church history, one of the things the church has never really done brilliantly is move from one generation to the next. Thanks, Janiah. That's an amen from Janiah at the back there. Okay. Um, the church does not do that. Church history, on the whole, I mean, it should have gone like this. should have just, you know, grown exponentially and risen. And that's what happened in the early years of the church. But actually, what's happened over the past 2,000 years is this. Church has just been round and round and round in circles. That's why we have a town with 100,000 people and about 40 different churches. Well, maybe not that, 30 different churches. Thankfully, we're trying to do something about that and bring ourselves together a bit more. But the church has not been great at passing things on to the next generation. Um, there are no exact figures for this, but the best figure that I can find is that um, children born into Christian families, into church families... It's about a 70% drop-off rate, 70% at best, maybe as high as 90% of those children who do not continue in the church, don't pick up the faith of their, their families, just walk away from the, the faith. That's across the, the whole church. Um, you know, and for somebody like me, a parent, and somebody who's you know, tried to put quite a bit of effort into being a Christian teacher over the years, that really, really bothers me really bothers me and I just think Lord we we want to see better than this because it's not the fulfillment of your promise it's not the fulfillment of your word it's not what you have said is available to us and so we want something that reflects your promise rather than our experience excuse me <coughs> okay so uh, I'm hurrying a bit you can possibly tell because um, I want us to, to get some time together at the end to, to pray with one another uh, before the children um, get released and, and come back. So that's the first thing. I also want to say something um, which is perhaps a bit more particular to us because two weeks ago we had uh, Nick and Di Scott here and uh, who had a good time with Nick and Di Scott? I put my hand up. I didn't because I wasn't here. But I'd seen them the previous week and I'd had a great time with them. And... Um, one of the things I picked up from them was they were really uh, putting an emphasis on the, uh, the older generation. They said 63 plus, which made me feel really, really happy because I'm 62. Um, and believe me, when we get to the 4th of June next year, 
the 63 is going up to 64 plus, and then the year after that, I'll go up to 65. Um, but they put a particular emphasis on that, and I've been dwelling on that quite a bit because got, you know, a, a lot of us are at that stage of life. And it's brilliant. It's brilliant that people still want to serve the Lord, still want to be part of us. That's, that's great. But I think we, we have to, and I include myself in that kind of age group, we, we can set the pace. And I can't set much of a pace at the moment physically, as you probably noticed. But we can try and set the pace for what's happening around us. You know, we don't need to be invited to share something with somebody. I'll give you an example. So I was at a, uh, I'm, I was at a large international gathering of Christians recently. But they're, they're a lovely group of people. But in terms of their priorities, um, if they had a top 20 list of priorities, uh, making space for kind of personal ministry and personal uh, prophetic words and so on, out of that top 20, that would be about 114 on their list. Okay, they're not a group of people who are very accustomed to that sort of thing, and they don't really have a framework to put that in. And um, I mean, I love them all dearly, but I just sit there sometimes and say, oh, Lord, help us. Um, anyway, there was a lady speaking, and she was way forward on the stage. She was kind of miles away from me. And uh, I just felt a little saying, Graham, I've got something to say to that lady. Um, and it was just, a, just a, a nudge from God. And this lady was, uh, she's a, just been given a PhD from Oxford. I waited till she'd finished. I thought that'd be a good plan rather than rush up on the stage. You know. I waited till she finished, got back, and the whole thing was finished. So I went over to her. And she, she's, she's English, um, one of the few English people there, but... I said, uh, hi, uh, my name's Graham, and just as you were talking, felt the Lord uh, say, maybe he had something to say to you. So I explained what this, this word was, and it was about the rabbit hole and her being like the weird rabbit and going down the rabbit hole, making it much bigger, and a whole range of things to do with that. <laughs> I just thought, I'm so pleased I don't know this woman. I'm so pleased she is never, ever going to see me again in my entire life. <laughs> And she was very quiet as I gave this, this thing to her. And she said, I just did my, uh, my Viva for my PhD. And I couldn't sleep. I was so nervous the night before. So I got up early, walked um, out from Oxford the, the next morning, went into this field. And all I could see were rabbit holes everywhere. And she said, I never think about rabbit holes normally. But all I could see were rabbit holes. And what... And all the, the other things that I said within it, she said, that's really interesting. Thank you very much. Uh, she didn't say that, although she knew the film. She knew, you know, Wallace and Gromit and the Weir Rabbit. And who doesn't? But um, <laughs> I wasn't invited. You know, we don't need to be invited to give a prophetic word. You know, God's speaking to you all of the time. And uh, I, I would say 95% of the things that I hear from God for other people happen in one-to-one -one conversations, 95%. When I'm having a cup of coffee with them, <laughs> you're having a cup of coffee and you just, just get this sense, this indication, just know God speaking. You, know, you, you learn to recognize somebody's voice, don't you? 
So there's somebody you know and you love and you hear their voice, you recognise their voice. And, and he's going, Graham, got something to say here. It's never convenient. It never makes much sense to me. But I've, what I've discovered is um, the more bizarre I think it is, the more meaningful it is to the, the person that I'm speaking to. I don't know how that works, but I think what it proves to me is that the rest of humanity, their thinking is like mine and full of all kinds of weird images and strange imaginings and things. And actually when God sees that and, and gives somebody a taste of it and you speak it into somebody's life, they go, oh my goodness, you know? So, you know, if you're in the, uh, that generation, just keep going for it. Don't, don't expect it all to happen in two hours on a Sunday morning. You know, what are you hearing from God? How are you in touch with people? Do you get in touch with people? Do you ring them up? Do you pray for them? Do you pray for our, the children in our church? Do you pray for the younger generation? Maybe adopt a family um, in your prayers and start to pray for them and hear God's word for them and you know, hear his promises and pass those on. I mean, when people come and give me uh, they say they've been praying for me. I don't care what they say. I just think, oh, they've been praying for me. You know, they're just praying for me to, to, you know, be a better leader and a better speaker and better everything. Else. I don't care. I'd like to be better. But I just love it that people care enough to, to pray or think I'm so, I've uh, <laughs> done something so appallingly. They think, Lord, you've got to make him better. But just let's get better at being bolder. Okay? Take some risks. And, uh, you know, even if you haven't got anything specific to say, just, just go up to somebody and say, do you know I was praying for you? I just want God to, to give you good things, to fill your life, to, to help you in your difficulties, help in your family life. It doesn't matter, you know. Uh, that's just as, you know, prophecy is to encourage and draw out the best. And uh, even if you don't think I've got a picture of a weir rabbit to, to deliver to somebody, just say, do you know I thought about you and I was praying for you. That's the brilliant thing about this WhatsApp group. You know, you don't get fantastic prophecies coming from, from people. They just say, I'm praying. I'm praying. I understand. And, and you know with some of them they do understand because they've been in exactly the same situations. They've lived away from home. They've been in difficult testing situations. And they say, I understand. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. It makes all the difference in the world.